cliffcentral.com. Good morning and welcome to The Burning Platform, which is brought to you by Nando's every Thursday morning. It's our chance to catch up normally on current affairs, things that are in the news. We discuss some of the big issues that are going around uh, in South Africa and internationally. We talk a little bit about politics, about the economy, about society. This morning, and because of this month being election month or the lead up to the elections, the 1st of November, make sure you put that in your diary, we decided that we'd give a bunch of the political parties and the political leaders in this country a chance to speak for themselves. I've mentioned before that I've been, I've been hit by a, a brick wall when I've approached two of the parties. We've certainly had great responses from all of them. Uh, we've had members of COPE. We've had members of the IFP, we've had members of the Freys Front Plus, we've had members of the DA, we've had members of Musi Maimane's party, well, it's the, it's the company he's, he started, uh, the One South Africa Movement. We've had people from uh, various places, including Patricia DeLille's Good Party. The two parties that just seem unwilling or unable to acquit themselves admirably in uh, representing uh, th- their, their own agendas and what they what they have on on offer for people are the ANC and the EFF, and I'm still trying, but uh, and I will keep trying until the day before the elections. But it seems to me that they don't really have much to talk about, and 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 are not keen to be seen. When they are seen, things like this happen. You have the last election. You took the president to Alexander, and you promised people one million houses. It Remember? was never one million. Since is in what it was what one thousand no it was never even one thousand the it? one million houses yeah. was in the figmentation of those who propagated how many did he promise one million yes into <laughs> this is our key walesos into lapa alexander mamelan uh it was not one million it was Almost uh, 100,000 houses. That yeah. we How wanted. many of those have you built since he made that promise in 2019 before the last election? 2019 was just two years ago. Yeah, so? Yes. So you need more than so two years to build we, a house. No, we are building every day. As we in speak, Alexander? As we speak now, we are building no, in houses. Alex. We are building houses. But, but in Alex? Even in Alex, we are building houses no, there's, no, there's not a single house that was built in Alex after that promise he made. Yeah. So there's JJ Tabani grilling... Figilim Balula, who's the ANC's head of elections at the moment, on why they haven't built all those houses that Cyril clearly promised in the speech they also showed. Said he'd build a million houses and Alex, not one. So that's maybe why the ANC are not so keen to come and join us. Either way, we're going to give the other parties a little bit of room to explain themselves to us, and perhaps we should be ignoring the ones that don't want to engage with us. First this morning, I'd like to welcome from the One South Africa Movement, which is founded by Musi Maimane, formerly of the DA, a non-profit company which focuses on activism and advocacy in the areas of education, entrepreneurship, and electoral reform. They're currently involved in uh, supporting independent candidates with community organizations as part of their broader goals of electoral reform in South Africa. I'm very pleased to have Muzuli Rakhivane with us this morning. Muzuli, nice to see you. How are you? Well, thanks. How are you doing? Good, good, good. We'll talk about what you and your and your people are trying to achieve in this election. I'm excited to hear what your contribution is likely to be. And also, the leader of the opposition, uh, a man who's the, uh, the at the head of the DA, the federal leader, John Steenhuisen. John, how are you? Good morning to you, Gareth, and uh, good morning to your guests. Very good. It's uh, it's good to have you both on. Um, 
I'm, I'm also not going to go over old territory because uh, Musi isn't here, first of all. And I know that, uh, that John and Musi have lots of, of water under the bridge. There's no need for us to go backwards in terms of that conversation. And, and Mudzuli, it's not something you're particularly interested in, I'm sure, this morning either, right? <laughs> okay. Very good. Not at all. All right. Good. That's a relief. So, John, I'm just going to give Mudzuli a chance first to explain because I think we know more or less the DA's got a track record. You guys have been around a long time. Um, I don't know much about the One South Africa movement. How does it actually work, uh, Mudzuli, when you guys are supporting independent candidates and, you know, we see that you're putting some – some some push, some funding, perhaps some uh, some support behind these people. You're helping them to campaign. How do you choose which independent candidates you want to support and which ones you don't? Because there are obviously some who are dodgy and some who you think are, are pretty good candidates. Yes. Um, okay, so we support um, over about 250 candidates across the country, um, and we had quite a quick, uh, strict criteria in picking them. Um, we looked for candidates who fundamentally would sign what we called a pact, um, and this wasn't based on any sort of political ideology, but it was fundamentally about values. What are the values that you hold and you commit to seeing through in your tenure in office? We also looked for people who are already doing work in their communities. So fundamentally, these are people who are known by their communities. They've been um, working in their communities. They were actually elected by their own communities in order to be able to stand as independent candidates already. So fundamentally, they should all already have support from the various communities that they represent. Um, and then we also looked at the political landscape in the various municipalities to say, um, are you in a municipality that's perhaps hung? Um, what are the key issues that your municipality is facing? And do you have the competencies and the skills and education, quite frankly, to be able to solve those problems. Um, we stayed away from people who were looking to jump ship from, you know, political parties without, um, you know, any key sort of activism or advocacy behind them. Um, so we're not a boat on which we're taking disgruntled, um, you know, career politicians that purely want this platform just to be able to do what they were doing before. Um, our focus really is on activism, advocacy, are you doing the work, values, and then we support you. All right. So values is an interesting area for us to, to start this discussion. And, and, John, you've been very vocal about the fact that the DA will not be forming coalitions with parties that don't share their values. I think a, a, a big step away from the DA of, of yesteryear where pretty much anyone you needed to ally yourselves with in order to get the, the requisite number of votes or support, you would have done. Um, how's, how's that changed in the DA and, and how's it been received by the, the party and the electorate at large? Well, Gareth, thanks very much. And obviously, we've learned a lot of lessons over the last five years. Mm -hmm. um, and what became very clear to us is that it is not possible to be in a coalition or a stable coalition with people that don't share your core values and principles. So we've got four key values and principles around which we will discuss with parties that share those values and principles, the potential of being able to form coalitions. These are non-racialism, 
mm-hmm. respect for the rule of law and the constitution, mm-hmm. a social market economy that sees business as a partner in growth and not as an enemy, and mm-hmm. the building of a capable state or a capable administration. In other words, an administration where you don't have cater deployment, people are appointed on merit and ability to do the job, not on who they know. If mm-hmm. you agree on those four key values and principles, we're willing to sit around the table and, and talk to you. It's been very clear to us over the last four years that the EFF do not share those values. And we got our fingers very badly burnt in Johannesburg. We ended up with a Manchurian candidate for a mayor there who essentially was being controlled by the EFF. And then Julius Malema was on SABC just this last uh, fortnight where he said very clearly that they were actually the people pulling the strings behind the scenes. And we ended up getting involved in things that were not core to our values and principles, and it ended up costing us. So I yeah. thought it was very important to unequivocally state well, this election that we won't be forming a coalition I mean, with the um, EFF. Herman Mashaba seems on a mad tear at the moment to, to be blaming the, the DA for, for all his woes. And, and I'm concerned that this is a sideshow from, from the real fight, which isn't between you and Herman Mashaba or between you and your former leader, Musi Maimane. As much as those things may have been embarrassing to the DA and might not have been handled in the best possible way, who knows? You know, hindsight is twenty twenty vision. Um, I, I think it's, it's fair for you to be able to comment on the fact that the real elephant in the room is the ANC and the ANC are the are the, are the, the, the party that most people in this country are dissatisfied with across the spectrum even yeah. ANC supporters likely uh, uh, everybody's doing the polls at the moment trying to get a handle on what might happen on election day and by and large it seems all the people in the know and all the people who are out there scouting opinions and trying to figure out what's going on at exit polls and you know early voting and all the rest of it they're saying ANC supporters are just not going to pitch up in the numbers that they have before. This is this is going to be a, a very low turnout for the ANC. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about all of that? I mean, how do you feel about the fact that these former members of your party are really uh, talking about you guys a lot? Um, th- th- maybe the thing we should be talking about is is the ANC and perhaps what the other parties bring to the election. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's a frustrating point for me is that, you know, a lot of people want to be in opposition to the opposition. And, you know, we want to be in opposition to the ANC. Nothing's going to change in South Africa unless we bring the ANC below 50 percent. We're going to stay on this terrible trajectory. So that is our main focus. And that's why you'll see posters going up around the country saying DA or ANC. That's your choice. Because on the 2nd of November, you're going to wake up in either a DA-led municipality, whether it's a coalition or other, or you're going to wake up in an ANC-run municipality, whether it's a coalition or not. Those are the two dominant parties. The smaller parties and independent candidates are going to have to coalesce around one of those polls. And so for us, the choice is very, very clear. You're going to either vote for a party that gets things done, and there's a track record of doing so, or you're going to end up with another five years of, of the ANC. And it is a pity that these parties want to be in opposition to the opposition because it actually takes resources away from the front that we should all be uniting on to take uh, votes off the ANC. And I can see my colleague shaking her head, but I would I would use the example of Mark Willemser, who her, her leader spent most of his tenure as leader trying to kick out of the DA for his uh, party hopping and unprincipled behavior, and who's now banged back in Nasda municipality to be the mayor. He's exactly a party hopper that she said that the organization was straying away from. He's someone who took the DA's mayoralty and took it away from the DA and eventually then ended up handing the town over to an, to an ANC-led coalition. So, you know, people must be wary that you know, independents are not always independent and that they often work in the favor of the ANC 
rather than assisting the opposition cause. So, Mudzuli, uh, there, there is this argument that people say, well, you waste your vote on a smaller party. Rather throw it behind the ANC or the DA. If you, if you, if you haven't made your mind up, that's the sensible thing to do. Why do you believe that independents are an important part of the mix? And in particular, why these smaller parties play a pivotal role, if, if, you, if, if that is your opinion? Um, Yes, that's definitely my opinion. And I think I'd like to go back and address the sort of narrative of it's the DA or the ANC. South Africa fundamentally is a multi-party democracy. So the notion that it's only one or the other is actually sort of fundamentally flawed to the principles of our democracy. And secondly, the DA does not have a God-given right to be the official opposition of this country. Um, People are entitled to vote for people... People are entitled to vote for who they feel represents them. If I'm in KZN and I don't feel well represented by the DA, then I shouldn't have to vote for you. I should be able to vote for a quote-unquote smaller party, which is what multi-faceted democracies are built around. So I think we need to divorce ourselves of the notion of it's either one or the other and even investigate this title of the official opposition. Official to who? Yeah, but that's... Um, uh, but even that's going not, back but, to the point okay. of the... Constitutional uh, amendment, then. Um, m- no, even, but, but both of you... I mean, hold we on. can certainly have a uh, very good discussion about electoral guys, just, why that's just so from, from, from the electorate, uh, and I'm, yes. I'm, I'm only one voter, but we don't really we don't care about the labels and we don't care about what a multi-party democracy means to you guys it's what it means to us the reason we call john and his party the official opposition because they've got the second number the second biggest number of votes in in parliament that's all i don't really it doesn't entail it doesn't entail any glory or 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 any particular uh, power not in my in my book and i think for most people they just look at it as okay these guys are first these guys are second these guys are third i'm asking you mudzuli why should we worry about the person who's 12th or 16th on that list because if that person represents what you stand for, if that person's doing the work, if that person is someone you fundamentally align with with values, then that's the person who you should give your vote to. It doesn't make sense for me to give my vote to a party who's second because they're second, but they don't represent my interests. Um, I don't align in their values. Okay. They don't align with my values. All right. So what? It's, are, it's what simple are, representative so, democracy. That's sure, what it is. sure, sure, sure. Um, and and let's let's not uh, let's not all get sarcastic with each other. So early into this conversation. But Mudzuli, what are those values in your book? John just told us there are four things fundamentally that he, he will not compromise on and he thinks the DA should stand for. What do you guys believe your, your most important values are? Um, as one South Africa and what mm-hmm. we are, um, okay, sure. So one of them is definitely um, Ubuntu. So the value of Ubuntu that a society needs to be able to work together and that we all are because each other are. Um, non-racialism, non-sexism, which is fundamentally so important in this country given where we are with gender-based violence and inequality of women and children in this country. Um, and then the, I think, yeah, I think those would be sort of the top It'll three ones. Values, and then obviously... Right. Yeah, okay. fundamental core values. And, and, and John, is it hard in, in leadership, and, and Mudzuli, you can probably comment on this too, is it hard to make sure that everybody actually does uh, believe in those values? Because you don't know. You know, a lot of people will say, and, and politicians, I, I hate saying this because I'm, I'm actually sitting talking to two politicians now, but you're, you, you've got a terrible reputation as being venal, being willing to go any way the wind blows, being able to say just what you think people want to hear. 
How do you actually determine the values of your members and how do you figure out whether or not they're being honest about that? Well, I think you judge people by their behavior. I mean, no organization can insulate itself, whether it's a service club, a church, um, a business from people who join it and who then don't share the values and principles. But if you're able to determine that, you've got to deal with those people. And I think we have a track record of dealing with people who do not share our values and principles, which is precisely why we moved against Mr. Willemser in Neister uh, and why um, there was disciplinary action in, in that particular regard. Um, so you've got to you've got to make sure that those core values and principles are maintained, and you've got to take action, even when there's a lot of pain. So if people are corrupt or they're involved in things that don't uh, align with your values, you've got to remove them from your organisation. And it comes at a cost. I mean, we went through a, a big uh, one with the Delil matter, with mm -hmm. the mayor of George, people who did not share our values and principles, and we we had to take action against them. But I think it is worth it, and I think that voters can take a comfort in the fact that we're prepared to do so. Because if you don't, you end up exactly where the ANC find themselves now, where everybody in the party knows everybody else is small and young as skeletons, mm -hmm. and you can't then act against anybody because if I act against you, well, you're going to spill the beans yeah. that I was involved in this tender. And then you end up with a, a moribund organization that cannot move and a cannot web, stand for anything. A web so of deceit. Politics, you, yeah, in politics, you've got to be a signpost, not a weather vane that blows in the wind. You've got to be a signpost that points uh, people in a, in a direction, no matter which way the wind is blowing. One thing I'm sure both of you will, will have no real truck with is the fact that we, we're living at a very precarious stage in South Africa's development and, and, and in the history of this country. We've got to a point now where after several years of, of mm. democracy and several years of freedom for the majority of the people of this country, we don't have a lot to show for it. And we've, we've seen, at least in the last 10 years, some substantial decline in the size of the economy, in the job prospects of individuals, in the, the education system, in the service delivery of, of municipalities. This is a local and municipal election. These are the most interesting ones, even though they don't get the, 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 the kind of coverage and, and attention and attraction that the national elections get. John, are you standing in your own ward in this particular election? And, and um, Mudzuli, can you tell us about where you guys are focused? Because those issues are the things that most people are interested in here. And they're not glamorous. They're not exciting. It's things like burst pipes. It's rubbish collection. It's street lights that have been blown out. It's potholes in the roads. This is not a glorious thing. This is not politicians looking for the big salary jobs in the, in the executive and the union buildings. This is ordinary stuff. Yeah, so Gareth, I mean, I'm not standing in a water. I was a councillor for 10 years in, in Etiqueni, so I've actually been in the arena. I've sat in a council, and I know how important it is to have a team with you because politics is a numbers game, whether mm. we like it or not. And as long as the system is designed the way it is now, um, you, you need the numbers in council to get things done. Otherwise, you're a lone voice that sits at the back of the hall. You get to speak for two minutes, maybe once every second council meeting. Mm. Uh, you have to take a rota on motions and questions mm. to the municipality. And it's very difficult mm. to, to represent anybody's interests if you're a lone voice sitting at the, at the back of a hall. It's just the way the system is designed. It's unfortunately a numbers game. Would we like to reform the system? Absolutely, which is why the DA has been driving electoral reform uh, in, in the National Assembly. But politics, the reality is it is a numbers game. And you're right. It goes to the basics of getting things done. It's about service delivery. And that's why you'll notice the governing party is trying to make this election 
about anything other than service living. Mm. They're trying to make it about race. They're trying to make it about ethnicity. They're trying to make it around uh, anything, any other matter they can mm. latch onto because they've got such an appalling track record in delivery. They don't have a good story to tell well, in any municipality I mean, that uh, they run around the country. As I said at the beginning of this, I'm struggling even to get someone from the ANC, which is why, again, I appreciate both of you being here, to even talk to us because they've got nothing to talk about. And everything that I'm going to bring up is going to embarrass them. Well, that's exactly right. And Puli Mabi was asked on TV the other night, you know, can you point to one municipality that is a success? And he said, Ekuleni. Ekuleni is, is a disaster. Yeah. Well. It's sitting with for days of city. Trash is not collected. Pipes are broken. It is a complete disaster. So that's the best you can come. I, 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 wanna, I can understand why they're trying to make this about anything other than service delivery. I want to give uh, Mudzuli a chance to just talk about electoral reform. It's a big part of what you guys are doing in, in the One South Africa movement. What kind of electoral form are you look, uh, reform are you looking at? I know independent candidates. And by the way, Mudzuli, I'm a big fan of independent candidates. I would like a Karen in my neighborhood to be standing because those kind of people get things done. They, they really are. I mean, the Karens yeah. who, who we saw, you know, doing things during lockdown, helping supply food to old age homes, um, going out and, and, and repairing uh, potholes themselves. These are the kind of people. Harry Smith's a great example of where people stood up and were counted and did the right thing without having the politicians necessarily involved. Independent candidates are an important and vibrant part of any uh, system. Do we have enough of a culture for that, though? And, and John, if you can just hold your breath for 10 seconds here, because I know that you guys have the political party infrastructure and the track record to be able to explain away independence. But I think that they're an important part of things, and I think uh, Mudzuli will agree with me. Yes, absolutely. And I think um, when I'm done, it will be interesting to hear from John what he means by, you know, the DA supports electoral reform. Um, and maybe sure. we can get some comments on the bill that's currently sitting in Parliament where absolutely nothing's been done. And it's been, um, you know, we're heading into about oh, eight months until that deadline is up. Um, yeah. So just for the benefit of your listeners, Gareth, um, in uh, a year, about a year and a half ago, the Constitutional Court had formally um, put a judgment down to say that the fact that independent candidates cannot run at national, provincial and national level is actually unconstitutional. So they've given Parliament um, two years to amend the electoral bill um, or the electoral act rather to reflect that in, um, independent candidates should be able to run at those two levels. Now we have word on the street that the ANC's plan is basically just to sort of take the bill and put a comma at the end and say independent candidates, which is so disappointing because it actually doesn't give any substantive form to the judgment and give independent candidates substantive power. Um, and so the work we're doing now when you ask the question about culture is to say we actually need to use this local election to gain that momentum and to build that culture. And I can tell you that the independent candidates, the numbers from the IECs, that it's been doubled and, and then some in terms of how many independent candidates are actually running in this election. So was there a culture, a small one? Is it massively improving? Yes. And this is all in a ramp up to the next election and elections to come to say electoral reform is fundamentally key to how we're going to develop our democracy. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to hear what the DA has been doing about electoral reform and the bill that's been sitting in Parliament for the last yep. 18 or so months with nothing really substantive well, going on. Well, what's a, you, didn't, you didn't tell me, though, what you guys want to do before I hand over to John. Okay. What, what you'd like to see. So independent candidates, as you say, part of it, there's largely... It's but one part. Sure, but there's, there's yes. broad agreement on that. But what are the other things that you'd like to see happen? 
Um, okay, so we have a very extensive bill that's sitting in Parliament, and some of the issues that it covers is um, how many representatives we actually have in this country. I mean, we have a massive, massive Parliament and MPs that just go on for days. Mm. Um, and what are they actually doing and the resources that it actually takes from this country? So it mm. deals with that. It deals with gender representation to say this is um, how we want to see genders represented, at least at a minimum threshold um, at national level. Um, it deals with how we break up how we even vote. So it deals with electronic voting to say, how are we going to develop our system? I mean, um, for everyone has had this experience, the IEC's current systems are actually so nightmarish and backdated that um, how many people were excluded from even registering to vote because their online system was just so terrible. So electoral reform is actually all-encompassing. Independent candidates is just but one part. Another part is, um, which is also extensively covered in the bill, is constituencies. How do we actually break South Africa into constituencies so that you actually know who your representative is in Parliament. Um, I think if you did a survey with most South Africans, they can't tell you five parliamentarians because they don't know them, because no. they didn't vote for them, because no, exactly. that's, there's absolutely well, no connection I mean, what's horrifying, between your representative uh, and you. What's horrifying, and I think both of you are going to agree on this too, is that many of the, of the candidates in, in these wards will only be decided afterwards. The parties, uh, particularly the ANC, are, are so uh, convinced that they're going to win that they'll just put someone in eventually. It doesn't matter who you're voting for. Yeah. And I think that's an important point you make because that's also an important part of electoral reform, um, especially at national level. The state yeah. of closed party lists is actually one of the biggest impediments that we have in this country. Why do I not know that if we get X amount of votes that these are the 20, 50, 40 people that are going to represent me? We have to move to a place where at least we have an open party list so that I can pre-decide that actually right. I'm, not, I'm not keen for this person. I'm not going to put my vote towards this party. All right, John, you were, you were shaking your head quite vigorously. What's, yeah. what's well, the- two things. There's a fundamental fundamental misunderstanding of politics. The lists are published uh, on the IEC website long before election day. So those lists exist. Now, I'm not defending the current system, but I mean, we must be honest and and upfront about facts because facts do matter. If those are the, Every if, party if those is are required the, to publish if, their lists right, if to, those, on the IEC website. You, if can those go are the, look, uh, you can go have a look anytime you want. If those are the rules of the game, then then you've got to make sure you fulfill the, the, the game's rules yeah. in order to have victory conditions yeah. established. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the other point I just want to make about about their bill, and it proves my point exactly, they've got a two-member party that has sponsored their bill in Parliament. And it's going nowhere because that party doesn't have the heft in Parliament to be able to get it onto committee agendas, to be able to get it uh, through the channels and to be able to get those things done. That's why their bill is stalled and why it's sitting there. Maybe they should have come and spoken to the DA. We would have been happy to help them out. We tabled a re- an electoral reform bill um, in the last parliament, which would seek to take South Africa and divide it into our parliament into half PR, half um, constituency-based, because what you don't want to do is move to a full constituency system, because in precisely the minority voices that that one is say they're wanting to to make sure are heard in Parliament would be completely decimated by a two two big parties should end up with a with two parties sitting in Parliament if it was a complete constituency system. So we proposed a mixed system, much like you have at local government. In terms of the ward candidates, you will know who your ward candidate is. You will be voting for your ward candidate. That cannot change unless that person resigns after election day, in which case it would be a by-election. Uh, it is the PR list system, I think, that the local government level that, that I think that the other guest was referring to. Uh, and not to, So everyone will know who their ward, their ward candidate is. I mean, I know I was a ward candidate for 10 years. Uh, everybody had my number. 
Yeah. I serve my constituents, and, and, and that's as it should be and you know in what? politics. And I think that I'm I'm pleased that you brought that up, John, because it's also our responsibility as voters to hold you guys accountable. You need to have your Absolutely. ward councillor's number on your phone, and you need to know who's in charge of your municipality. And you know, Mudzuli said it just now too. A lot of people don't know who these. That's on us. That's not on you guys. As much as you're out there trying to get our votes and get our attention, and that's a hard job. I, I think campaigning is probably tougher than it's ever been, and social media doesn't necessarily help because people get completely caught up in. Non- Nonsense. Now, it would be remiss of me to not give John a chance to talk about the track record and also to tell us what you're planning to do. We've spoken to some of your candidates um, in some of your municipalities who are running. I think we spoke to your Joburg mayoral candidate not so long ago in Poor, and um, we've heard some of that stuff. Where are you looking to have the biggest victories, and what does your track record tell us about what the DA might be able to do? Well, Gareth, for the first election in the DA's history, we're contesting wards in every single ward in South Africa. We've got a candidate in every ward. So we're going to try and bring the ANC under 50% in every single municipality around the country because that is the pathway we believe that that is going to force change and break this deadlock of poor service delivery and uh, and terrible uh, conditions that many of these municipalities find themselves in. So what is the track record? Well, it's contained in our manifesto which sets out the seven key things that you've got to get right in any municipality, whether it's a small local municipality or metro, from water infrastructure, electricity infrastructure, safety and security, local economic development, um, ensuring that you can uh, make cities uh, resilient from the failures of national government. And what's great about the manifesto, and it's available on our website, www.da.org.za, is it uses examples of where we govern already the things that we're doing. So whether it's the fact that we keep people one load shedding level lower than the rest of the country in Cape Town because we generate our own electricity and we're going to be doing a lot more in that space over the next five years, or the plastic road in the Cocoa municipality, Mm -hmm. the incredible um, uh, social housing units that I visited in Chwane two days ago. These are all things that we are doing already. So our manifesto is not pie in the sky promises. Because it's very easy for anybody to come and say, well, I'll give you this, I'll write that off, I'll build this, I'll do the next thing and promise you the sun, moon and the stars. It's got to be practically achievable. And I think that's the big thing about the DA Manifesto. It's a record of action and a promise of more. And whether it's Ratings Africa, whether it's the Auditor General, whether it's a Citizen Satisfaction Survey or News 24's latest uh, thing that came out, DA municipalities are the top-run municipalities in the country, and that's because uh, of our track record of good, clean, accountable governments and delivering services. Where the DA governs, we get things done, and that is an incontrovertible truth. And why the ANC don't want to challenge us on that? Why are they trying to find issues of race and every other excuse not um, to talk about the one fundamental question of service delivery? I do want to go to one of these issues of race because it was pretty much a Mm non-event to me and and probably to the people of that neighborhood as well. But these posters in Phoenix became the biggest story in South Africa for three weeks. With the benefit now of hindsight and and some water having gone under the bridge, what do you think went on there? And what do you think that really was about? And and do you feel that the, as the DA that you guys score some own goals sometimes unnecessarily? Or do you feel this was a mountain made out of a molehill? I think it was a mountain made out of a molehill. I will accept that perhaps there was no foregrounding of the message. But let me be very clear, and I've been very clear right from the beginning. 
that when government retreated during those July riots, whether it was in Joburg or in KwaZulu-Natal, it was ordinary citizens that stepped up and stepped in to protect their neighborhoods, to ensure that people's businesses were protected, to ensure their families were protected. And those people are heroes. No. And I don't care what anybody says, those people are heroes. Whether it's the people who are stepping in and doing the water in Costa, or whether it's those people in Phoenix who stood up. Vigilantism, absolutely, we never once said that you know, we supported people who broke the law. We said anybody who stood up for the rule of law mm-hmm. was a hero in that time. And I maintain that, and I, I will never stop apologizing, that anybody is an active citizen who steps up and in a lawful manner and when the confines of the law uh, fills a gap where government has retreated is a hero and they should be treated as such. So I, I think that probably there could have been some foregrounding on that. Okay. Um, but I would, um, I, I, well, I would, I mean, I would say that the message, I'm the sorry, fundamental Gary. message. I, go I ahead. have a question on that. Um, two things. One, um, yeah, I think you, I find it interesting that you previously said, you know, the ANC is trying to make this whole thing about race and service delivery. Maybe you can explain how a post that was directly targeted at race was a, uh, was a poster that was supposed to encourage service delivery. So that is a bit confusing to me. Um, it seems like you were playing a bait race game over there, which had nothing to do with quote unquote proven track record of the DA and service delivery. So I don't think that quite aligns with the strategy that you're talking about that says everything we've been discussing is on track record, is about track record. And then the second thing I must say is I personally, um, I, I take a front to that. And I think what you finally misunderstand is that the race tensions between the black and Indian community in KZN is not something that began in Phoenix. This is something that has stretched literally decades and it's something that was so critically um, pioneered by the apartheid government to make sure that people, um, especially between black and Indian people, that they gave Indian people just that little bit of extra privilege so that it creates a mindset that, you know what, I am better than this race that has been classed below me. So it, for, to not understand the historical context and then to put something like that up there is actually so inciting when it comes to racial tension. I don't think that, that right. was well thought out John, at all. John, answer the, answer the two questions from uh, Mudzuli and then we can hopefully get onto some other Stuff. First of all, it's got everything to, it's everything to do with service delivery. Where you have a metro police service like you have in the city of Cape Town with 1,100 extra police officers on the street to maintain law and order, you're able to step in and step up. And maybe if that had happened in Durban and the metro police hadn't retreated uh, into the shadows, we would have had uh, uh, not had, had communities having to look after themselves in that time. Uh, of the ANC's internal battle. Um, I do find it odd to be lectured by 1SA about race and race issues. And I suggest that maybe the uh, the honorable member goes back and, and uh, trolls her leaders' comments around Ashwin Willemser, Schweizer, Renick, and others before she comes to talk about people driving race divisions. Let me tell you, I was the constituency head of the Phoenix constituency uh, in uh, Durban for five years. There have not been race problems between Indian and black people in Bombay, Inanda, and Phoenix. They've lived very well together. They've worked together. It is a really integrated community. What we saw there was people driving a race narrative. Politicians coming in carrying placards saying, all Indians are bloodthirsty killers. We're basically scapegoating minorities trying to cover up his, uh, his fake um, uh, and the fake uh, ability to be able to do anything around policing. So I would, uh, you know, I would simply say that I think it's naive uh, if, you know, one SA are now saying that 
well, what the people of Phoenix did by stepping up and protecting their communities and by ensuring that businesses weren't damaged and the rule of law was upheld in their communities, they are somehow now in race and in, incitors. I don't think that's true at all. I think that people, anyone who stands up for the rule of law in South Africa, who stands up on the side of rights, should be protected and defended by all of us, especially uh, organizations that are trying to uh, say that they want to, people's, particularly minority voices, to be heard as well uh, in various forums. Well, let's see. Let's also see. Let's see how it shakes out in the elections. I'm, I'm fairly sure that um, politicians are adept at exploiting all kinds of differences that we have between each other. But in this case, um, the good people are the ones who who didn't break the law, and the bad ones are the ones who did break the law. And if you think that, that all the good ones happen to be black or Indian or white then I think you're missing the point because there were good people of all races on the one side and bad people of all races on the other. Um, I think that's fairly Correct. evident. Look, I, well, I think if that I, was the case. I think I don't think you would have had the reaction in Phoenix. I think we are trying to make this seem like it know, was the whole nation. The rest of the nation wasn't guys, at all, but the people I, in Phoenix were I don't fine. Want to do, I'm I, not sure about that. I don't want to do what every other media organization in this country has done and tried to create some false equivalence between a DA poster and the absolute abhorrent theft of billions of, of rands from the coffers of this country, which has really affected the poor and exacerbated differences between us, and say that the DA is as equally awful as the ANC in this case. These it's are, not about equality. These are, these are it's not about equality of issues. Those issues affect people. I'm, sure. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. it's just I, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm, a, sure, that, I'm sure that there are 100,000 people who are going to sleep tonight worrying about where their next meal is coming from and about five people who are worried about the hideous racism that's out there. Anyway, we'll move on. I think that's a very, I'm sorry. Let's I must see. Let's see, if it gets, let's see. If let's see if it gets tested. I don't think that many people are interested. In fact, the IRR has shown us endless reports of people who say that racism is at the bottom of their list of priorities and concerns. Their biggest priorities are... You obviously are, don't experience the kind of racism that I experience okay. on a daily basis. Okay. Well, your personal... I'm sorry. Your personal experiences are completely anecdotal and unimportant to all of us. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate the fact that you think that yep. the experience of a black woman in this country yes. is I'm unimportant. Not, I'm not interested. Mudzuli, I'm not interested in identity politics at all. Nobody really is. There are any interested in themselves what they can get out of this the elections are coming up if you as a black and service woman, delivery service delivery uh, please it's just i'm over it it's so uninteresting and and this has played out so badly for people in other parts of the world where they've tried it i can't believe you're going down this track we were having no, a, Gareth, we're not speaking we were about a great conversation we literally speak okay you can proceed with your conversation then no, no, I, I want you to finish i want you to at least explain why you, you why you've said something so pointless Okay. I'm just trying to, this was not about uh, sucking us into a conversation about race, politics, and identity politics. We, we were having a conversation to say that the issues of service delivery are not as important as the issues that people generally feel they when they feel like they're being raised. In a, in a municipal election, they just aren't. Okay, but municipal elections don't stop the rest of your experience. And racism is structural as well, so it's not like it's, oh, because... Who's going to solve... Everything else that I'm... Is, 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 is the ward councillor of your ward going to solve the problems you have with racism? I mean, in all honesty, climate change. That. I mean, let's talk about gender politics because it's a municipal election. No, I want the water and electricity and the roads to work. Absolutely. And what I'm asking is for the DA then not to bait on the race issues. We discussed Have they not put that poster up? We We're not baiting on the race issues. 
Sorry, I, I just want to, I want to come in here. How's it baiting on the race issue? When you put up a poster that says people that stood up for the rule of law are heroes. How's that race baiting? The people That's who stood up in Phoenix said? were black, were black, white, Indian and colored South Africans. How's it race baiting to say that people who stood up for the rule of law were racists? How is it race baiting to say that those people were heroes? Everything Regardless exists. of color. We didn't yeah. put up a post and said all Indian people, all Indian people are heroes. No, okay. but you are, you are taking you the mainstream media's narrative. Why did you take no, I want to finish. I would like down? to finish. Okay, sure. Then you can because answer why you Because of Okay, so th that we didn't say Indians are heroes. We said they called you racists. We called you uh, heroes. It was to talk about everybody, black, white, Indian, and colored there, who were able to stand up and not retreat in the face of lawlessness and looting that was allowed by a failed state to occur because it could not do its primary responsibility. One of the reasons why societies and the state were formed in the first place to protect its mm -hmm. citizens from uh, from danger. We took mm -hmm. it down because it was distracting the media outrage and the faux rage of people like yourself. But then that in fact with uh, that in fact with, then with that respect. in fact then distracted right. from the message okay. that we wanted to have around service sure. delivery. John, that was what fa fair enough. But then why did you take them down and apologize? I mean you should have just stuck to your guns. Well I, I've stuck to my guns from the beginning about this thing. I've been very, very clear. And as I said on your show, I'm unapologetic. So why did they take them down? Those people down because it was a faux rage, a faux rage from uh, you know the, the the mainstream media and uh, so and sort of the the political commentators and the critical race theorists was so distracting from our core message of service yeah. delivery so that we, got it, we just got it out of the way so we could focus on but service it, but, delivery. But you can see it hasn't gone out of the way. The problem is when you kowtow yeah. to these mobs, whoever they may be, whether you agree or disagree with them, it doesn't go away. It just gets worse. They see it as blood in the water and you apologize mm -hmm. once and you're forever their slave. It's pointless. Just do what you need to do. And if you if you apologize, yeah. you're making a huge mistake. So have the courage of your convictions there as well. I'm, I'm sorry to, to, I think, to yeah, I think point out the obvious. I think one that does that actually pretty well is the Freedom Front Plus. They say what they say and they 100% stick to their guns. And I can appreciate that. I know what I'm dealing with when I deal with the Freedom Front Plus. They have a clear view that apartheid is not a crime against humanity. Cool. And they'll stick by that. They will be badgered in the media. They will be badgered by the mob and mm -hmm. foe liberals and whatever you want to call them. But that is fundamentally their party line and they stick to it. And I think as a voter, you can appreciate that as opposed to this flip flop. And I've got pressure here. So I've actually changed my mind. OK, but I think we need to give a. But I want to I want I want to move from on from I, organization with the ultimate flip flopper at the end of it. OK, <laughs> sure. Fair enough. You, I, I knew you guys wouldn't get along and that's absolutely fine. But what I want to move away from is the idea that we need to talk about big national and political issues in an election which is about the small things. And, and this is even this is a distraction. I brought up the posters because I knew if I didn't bring them up, it would be something people would say, oh, you're giving John an easy ride. OK, so I brought it up now. We've had a nice discussion discussion about it. We've had a bit of an argument. That's great. Now we need to move back to the other things that matter in municipalities. You, you said you're contesting in every municipality, in every ward in the country, John, including the ones where you've got no hope at all. Um, why are you doing that? Why is that important as a statement? Because people need to have an alternative. And as the second largest party and the official opposition as designated 
by the constitution of the Republic of South Africa. Uh, it's not some glamorous, as you say, designation. We've self-styled ourselves. Uh, the constitution designates the second largest party as the official opposition, and it's in the chapter on parliament, if you're looking there uh, in your constitution. Um, that is a designated constitutional uh, provision. We've got to provide an alternative to the ANC. That is what our mission is. And our mission is to bring the ANC below 50% uh, in as many places as possible so that we can start to wrestle power away from them and then start to prepare the ground for bringing them below 50% at a national level. If, the, if we don't bring the ANC under 50%, nothing is going to change in South Africa. We're going to have the same old muddling along on a downward trajectory. Unemployment's going to increase. Our economy is going to tank even further. And we're going to end up uh, in a failed state. Uh, the reality is that we've got to bring them below 50% because that's the only thing that's going to force a spring of change uh, in South Africa. So Mudzuli sounds like she would be voting for the, the Freedom Front Plus. If Freedom she was, Front, if she yeah. was, if she, if she was, One is say, one is saying if she was Freedom Front Plus. Sure, if she, nice if, well, no, no, no. We're best friends. Let's not, Values aligned. Let's not misquote her, but the fact is, uh, a lot of people who might be voting DA, let's let's look at the at the people who are on the right of your constituency who might go, well, actually the Freites Front Plus might be a better uh, option for me. Why would you say again that they shouldn't use their vote with the Freedom Front Plus when perhaps they voted for the DA for the last three elections and they don't want to do it anymore because you know, maybe things haven't happened quickly enough for them and they don't like what's going on? I'll tell you why, Gareth, and it's a very simple or, or answer. May, or, maybe, dream, or, maybe, or maybe they didn't like Musi Maiman in the last election. Now they feel slighted. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, so there's, a, there's a very simple answer to that. And that is that the ANC's dream for South Africa is to divide South Africans into little camps of race, culture, class, ethnicity, and divide and rule. Because once you've got people in small little single-issue camps, it's very easy to push them out of the park. Uh, and do whatever you want and have your will with the country. The only roadblock that we're going to have to the ANC doing that is by bringing South Africans from all races, cultures, language, religions together around those common set of values and principles and forming a roadblock. So the great thing about the DN, you would have noticed over the course of the last little while, um, is that I'm not an Afrikaans-speaking South African. I don't speak, I'm, I'm an English-speaking South African. But I've been standing up really hard for the... Uh, against the onslaught by national government of Afrikaans language rights in South Africa. And I, as an English person, can stand up in a big camp to protect the, of the rights of, uh, and, and the language and culture rights of Afrikaans South Africans, Isisulu South Africans, Isitosa South Africans. I think we're much stronger protecting our rights together as part of a big united front rather than just these small little single-issue uh, ethnic um, parties that just get Mudzuli, swept out of the way and, and pushed out of the way. Mudzuli looks incredulous. What do you say to that? <laughs> um, okay, so just for maybe some context um, in this discussion, I studied at Stellenbosch University and I also worked at the Constitutional Court when they handed down the um, judgment about language um, rights, particularly um, Afrikaans um, minority rights when it comes to language and STEMI. So with that backdrop, I think we should all understand um, what the language policy re real issue is. Um, the national government cannot say to you that no university ever should ever teach in Afrikaans. The constitution is actually very clear when it comes to higher education. The whole point is that when it comes to minority language, it's a progressive realization, right? So 
I would think that we would have to first get a baseline sorted out, which means that more and more South Africans should have access to higher education. Once we've sorted out that baseline, what we can do is make a progressive realization towards incorporating minority languages such as Afrikaans, such as Xhosa, such as Zulu. So if you've read the judgment, and particularly the one about Stellenbosch and Afriforum, um, I'm sorry, it wasn't Afro Forum, it was Haleka Cancer. Um, fundamentally, Stellenbosch cited the fact that they actually cannot afford to have Afrikaans at this level not cancelled. It is absolutely not cancelled in Stellenbosch University. If you walk into a campus today, you will find that on campus it is English and Afrikaans used in different contexts at different percentages. So let's divorce ourselves of that. That is absolutely not the truth. And it is evident in their language policies. But the judgment fundamentally hangs on the fact that if a university cannot afford it, then they cannot be forced to cater for a minority mm. language right when the constitutional provision is for the progressive realization of minority languages when it comes to that. So, and I'm also, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I'm not sure why the DA is particularly pushing this agenda at Stellenbosch when the Constitutional Court has already made a determination on this. So, what do you believe you're going to achieve past what the Constitutional Court has already ruled on? I suggest I suggest the guest goes and reads the UNISA judgment, which was uh, handed down a few uh, weeks ago. I think it's far more relevant in this particular case, uh, where Afrikaans was reinstated as the language of instruction uh, by the court? constitutional in the constitutional court. Correct. It was the UNISA exactly. judgment. It's been very widely reported on in the media. So it made it very very clear that there was had to be a, re a reinstatement there. But Jimmy, let me just say this to you, Gareth, that. You, know, you can have all the policies and you know that you like. I was on the campus dealing with students who were instructed in their uh, boarding houses that they were not allowed to speak Afrikaans, even in the bathrooms to each other, That's ridiculous. even around tables, even on benches in the parks. There was the instruction that was handed down, and you know that you know, the students have come out. They've said very clearly, and it's exactly that sort of uh, you know, marginalization and, this is and micromanagement this is of situation. I'm, I'm, I think yeah. that we should all be standing John, against. did you study at that university? Because I did. For four we, years. I, we, we seem to yes, be... I didn't study at the university. I don't have to study at the university to go and speak to right. the constituents and students there who are having a problem. That's what politicians do, actually. I just want to... Uh, no, I, I, personal, I wasn't trying to yeah, hate you. I was personal, just trying to say that we need to give perspectives. I yeah. studied there for four years. So what yes. I'm giving you is a four years' again, worth of practical again, experience. Uh, Mudzuli, sure. Mudzuli, it's this is anecdotal. It's your personal experience. It, it, again, sure. this is just like in the... I'm a black woman thing. It's not important to the average person out there who isn't you. No, no. I mean, it's like this is, you know, you can't bring your own experience in sure. and expect that to be the okay. deciding factor. You, you've sure. worked in Let's the, the constitution. You've worked in, you've worked in the constitutional that. court. You're, you're a professional and, and, and highly um, erudite woman who's acquitted yourself extremely admirably this morning. I don't want you to get the impression that I'm completely disregarding things just because you're bringing in anecdotal evidence. What mm. I want to talk about, and this is probably an unimportant and unpopular opinion, but I think our universities are just a disaster anyway. I don't, if I had kids right now, I wouldn't even send them to our universities. I think they're a complete mess. I think they're training people in things that we don't need. And we need to, we need to find people jobs in, in places where we can do things, not say things. We need less people with all due respect, like you and John, and more people who can fix, who can build, who can grow, who can manufacture. That's how we'll get this country ahead. And universities are just absolutely ill-equipped to do that at the moment. So they, to me, are becoming increasingly irrelevant as we discuss things that matter in South Africa. Perhaps to, to wrap this up, I'm going to give 
Mudzili first a chance to explain the one, the one South Africa movement and what you guys offer. And I can't help thinking, like, here you are, you both, uh, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And the enemy for both of you is the ANC, ultimately. I mean, the ANC are the ones who hold the majority of Correct. power in this country. And people who are voting in this election, whether they're voting for, for Musi or his independent candidates or for you, John, and your, your various councillors across the country, they're thinking as long as we can do something about the ANC, we'll be doing good. They don't really care about the internecine squabbles of these small parties and the DA. Um, do you feel, uh, Mudzuli, you guys have a lot more to offer than the, than the DA, but more especially, do you think you have a good argument against the ANC? Okay, so um, part one of the question, do we have more to offer? I don't think it's about more or less. I think it's about something different. Um, if, if, the, if everyone was satisfied with what the DA was offering, then they would have the votes to back that up. And more than that, instead of speaking about the people who are voting and trying to sort that out, um, there's a huge number, I think it's in the 10 million region, of people who aren't voting. Mm-hmm. And the question is why? Yeah. And so one South Africa is actually geared towards how do we actually um, re-enfranchise those people who are even registered to vote. So what happened between you registering to vote and not voting, and then all those people who aren't actually registered to vote. So that is the key offering over here to say, it's, I'm not really concerned about more or less, I'm concerned about what is something different, because the model that we've had um, since my 1994 obviously isn't yielding the fruits that we're looking um, for as a country. So that's um, sort of part one. Part two, in terms of um, the ANC, this is this is the whole thing about electoral form. In this current electoral form system that we have, right, in the current um, electoral system we have right now, it's extremely difficult. And so we need to actually gear more towards, and it's not solely about independence, but holistically we really need to work towards independent um, electoral reform. And that will be, I think, one of the key things that will be um, almost the catalyst that we'll need to sort of def- defeat the beast. Um, and I'll just say one thing just on the point that you raised before, Gareth. Um, this, I, I, I don't mean to be um, heated or whatever no, the it may be. I just feel like um, the reason why I I use my own antidote and, and total um, example was because I was responding to, responding to the fact that John had used one to say yeah. he had gone onto campus and engaged with four people or sure. five people. So if the rules are engagement that he can use an example, I feel like it's only Fair enough. that I can use an example. Okay. Um, but fundamentally, we can always shift back no, to I what's on paper, what's th- in the constitution. Your point is well made. And I especially like your point about how those people who are not voting at the moment, clearly, John, they're not thrilled with what you're offering either so are you are you doing things to appeal to those those people who are not voting as much as you are to those who are already fans you know you've got a you've got a floor you might not have a ceiling yet as the da you might be able to increase those numbers but they're not going to come from existing da voters are they no, it's going to come through growth, Gareth, and it's, it's how we've grown is using the model of excellent service delivery. So you may recall, for instance, in the city of Cape Town, we first got into government then an eight-party coalition. Uh, in the next election, people trusted us more and we got more votes there. We end up now with a two-thirds majority in the city of Cape Town because you build trust through excellent service delivery and making sure that people's needs are met. And that is why unemployment is the lowest in the Western Cape. Unemployment is lowest in DA-run municipalities, highest access to basic services. Good, clean, accountable government actually is the most pro-poor policy that you can adopt in South Africa. And it's by shifting people's minds, by delivering well and delivering for all, 
that you're able to ensure that more and more people are encouraged to come out and vote when they actually see that there's a causal link between the way they vote and the way in which they live. And that is how the DA grew in, in the Western Cape. It's how we intend to grow around the country, which is why it's imperative that we gain control uh, in as many municipalities as possible and we bring the ANC below 50%. My target is not one SA independent candidates. My target uh, is the ANC. But people need to think very, very strategically in the selection uh, because it does make a difference. Say, for instance, there's a ward where a DA councillor has a slim majority and you have an independent or a smaller party that takes 3 4%. They're never going to win the ward. They take 3 4% and they let an EFF or ANC councillor in win the ward. That's one extra ANC seat on the council. And that's where the danger comes in. So people need to think very strategically when they vote. Who's got the best chance in that particular right. ward of unseating the ANC? And I think that's where our size and our reach comes in and why the DA is making gains in uh, in these municipalities and, and the like. Uh, and the focus has got to be on service delivery. That's you know, all the selection uh, is about. about just, just one other thing, John, that I, I was slightly pissed off about the DA uh, in the last two years because I, I'm going to be... Just slightly. I'm going to be anecdotal for, for a second here. Like, I, I, I appreciate that you guys have a good track record, right? I, I appreciate that there's a lesser of two evils argument that also comes into it. But my biggest problem was you guys seem to have been in support of the lockdown from day one. And I know that there were very few outliers in the world who weren't in support of lockdowns. But the DA took so long to come around to the fact that this was a bad idea, that this was a statist move, that it was about control, that it was... You could have probably won a few more people over if you'd stood strongly against the ANC from day one in that respect. Do you want to just explain yourself? Yeah, Gareth, I I think that... And I will send you after the show um, because I was made the Mampara of the week for it. Um, after the second lockdown was announced. Obviously, we supported the first one because nobody knew what was going on. We didn't see what the international experience had been and the like. So it made sense to lock down to prepare the healthcare facilities, etc. But it became very evident to us right from the get-go that this thing was going to squeeze the economy. And in fact, poverty is a far bigger killer in South Africa than coronavirus ever would be. Uh, and so you may recall, I put out that press statement saying it's about lives and livelihoods, Mr. President, and the mainstream media dragged me for weeks on it. They pilloried, yeah, again, uh, they pilloried the DA. You know, uh, you guys could both do well to pay less attention to the mainstream media and social media. Yeah. In fact, the the, the honestly, yeah, the, yeah. the number of people on but, Twitter. But what I'm saying to you, guys, I know the number of people on Twitter. We, we came out hard for it uh, yeah. against um, hard lockdowns. We we put our money where our mouth is and instituted court action against the draconian regulations, uh, particularly in the personal care industry. Um, we assisted uh, small businesses uh, in litigation. We're the only party that's taken the Disaster Management uh, Act on review uh, to the court to take away government's powers to essentially keep us in this draconian form of government, which I imagine they've got no intention Listen. of letting go of. So that case is absolutely going to be important um, in, in the next month or two. I know. And, and um, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to have differences. I, I hope that those differences don't hand a victory to the, the ANC. Uh, and I hope either party here does as well. I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm behind you both. I love the idea of independent candidates. And I love what Musi's doing. He didn't just withdraw and go into business, which so many other people might have done. I know that uh, the DA and Musi will always have their differences. And that's okay. I, I can respect both. I can like what both of you are doing. Uh, Mudzili, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show for the first time. I don't think this will be the last time. Um, 
because uh, because you're on fire this morning. John, thank you for explaining the Phoenix posters for the umpteenth time. And uh, go out there, both of you, and get some votes. Let's um, let's turn this country around because, my God, do we need to. Well done. Yeah. Absolutely, okay, Gareth. Thank you. Great to be with both of you today. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you, Mutsuli. Thank you, John. Cheers. Bye. Cliffcentral.com.